for another series, another in a series of lessons from David. Now we are officially on lesson two tonight. Lesson two officially. All right. Now the title is Do You Qualify? Do you qualify? Now, when I hear those that question, do you qualify? I'm thinking about the, the one of the first things that come to mind is like, okay, well, credit score, mortgage application, resume, resumes, stuff like this. Mm-hmm. All right? Do you qualify? So, anytime you you are you apply for something, there are things that are required. There are qualifications. Now. How many of us feel like, as believers, we meet the qualifications of what a good Christian is? That's good. I mean, I'm not going to say I've never asked myself that right, question. Like, I have, you know, in the past, you know, when you growing in, if you're being taught a certain way, then you do think you, yeah, you know, okay, you you check the box off. This, I do this, I do this, I don't do this no more, I do this, do this. So then, then you tell yourself, okay, yeah, I qualify. But then as you begin to grow in God, you find out, okay, there's so much more I don't really have it together. So yeah. then you so like you said, then you stop asking that question. But there are moments where I've asked myself, okay, you know, yeah, I qualify, but then as God you grow, you'd be like, wait a minute. No, I still got some work to do, you know, so it reminds me of that conversation Andrew had with the for the people about Who's the most humble? And I thought, why are you having that's like the dumbest conversation I've ever heard. And then the person that won, they kicked him or something. Yeah, Remember that? I was just thinking about that. The I'm day. like, yeah. who sits around and says, who's the uh-huh. most who is the most humble person here? Like, wow, you people are too dumb for me to be around. Because <laughs> what kind of member that Andrew talking about that? And then the person that won the competition, whatever, said they kicked him out. Mm-hmm. Now I'm gonna look at pulling from our, our outline. Says Saul's failure gave David a chance, and so he never would have come to the surface if Saul hadn't botched it up. So. And as we talked about last time, you know, we questioned whether or not God, did he choose Saul? Was Saul God's first choice? Now, some people will argue, well, you know, it, it David was really God's first choice, but Saul was just a placeholder. But we talked about how the integrity of God's word would say otherwise. Let's go back to that, just for recap. First, I had a, I had a question I didn't get to find out. Well, hold on. Right. Let's, oh, okay. yeah, let's, 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 let's go back here, and then I'm, I'm, I'm okay. gonna get you. First Samuel thirteen. First Samuel thirteen. All right. 
Now, remember what, <clears throat> what Saul did here. He was waiting on Samuel to come and Samuel was the one that was supposed to do the sacrifice because mm -hmm. he's the only one that, you know, was uh, according qualified. to God's word, he was qualified, yes, qualified thank you. to yes. offer the sacrifice because he was a priest. Yeah. He was a priest. All right. But Saul's right. just, he, he being the secular king mm -hmm. could not do that. Mm -hmm. But what did Saul do? He took it upon himself yep. to offer the sacrifice. He usurped authority. Okay. All right. So. I'm going to start at verse 12, 1 Samuel 13, verse 12 in the New Living Translation. It says, So I said, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal, and I haven't even asked for the Lord's help. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. Now, this is Saul's explanation to Samuel. Right. For why, for why he did what he did. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then verse 13. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your king, your kingdom over Israel forever. Now, this is this is what the Lord is saying to Paul, to Saul through the prophet Samuel. God is not a man that he should lie, lie yeah. right? So obviously, Saul was in a position where he could have fulfilled his role as king and have his kingdom established over Israel forever, right? So going back to our outline. David then was God's second choice because Samuel, he dropped the ball. He missed it. Right. Can I ask my question? Because mm -hmm. I'm trying to really get myself glued, super glued to the word of God. And I didn't, it, I forgot to go back and try to go through not the part about um, he's blame shifting Saul. It's what was the word of the Lord? Because we kind of ended last week and I didn't get my I didn't get to the bottom of it. Because Saul said, You did not come back when you said, but then it didn't seem like when did he said he was gonna come back. So it wasn't really about well Samuel didn't come back in time. It was was what was the word of the Lord is my question, because it wasn't really about Oh, Samuel, you didn't come back when you said you would. It was whenever Samuel gets back, that's kind of the word. Because Saul either didn't believe it or he lied. But what was the exact commandment from the Lord? Because Samuel said, you did not obey. So I'm trying to get to the bottom of what was the exact command of the Lord. Well, the... The statute was that only the the prophet is in a position to offer sacrifice. Right. So but the, the king, but him as the king, he's not. Right. So, so that's his disobedience right there. The word of the Lord was, "Do nothing until Saul gets until Samuel gets back," because Saul was saying, "It's your fault because you didn't do what you said." 
So something, either he didn't understand the word of the Lord, Saul, or he did understand it, and he's lying, and see what I mean? Like, you got to get to the bottom of what is the word of the Lord, and stay with it. So, I'm, you know, that's why, to me, well, I'm like a little said, confused I about... Hmm? Like he said, it was established under law. Only the priest could do the sacrifice. That's right. Period. It was nobody else that could do it. So whether um, Samuel took a long time or not, right? You know, he couldn't do it. So that's what's that was just plain and dry, cut and dry. This is the law, right? It's just like, hey, the law say go thirty-five miles per hour. If you go past that, you broke it. It is that simple. Could it have been, yeah. been that he that God was? Sam for Sam is like trying him to see if he would have patience, even though he was facing all the you know the, the trouble and the men being afraid that it was to see how he would react because it was saying you know Samuel had a time he was coming but he didn't come the way Emmon you know Saul took it upon himself. I can't wait any longer. This stuff is too hard. I'm going to do it myself and see what happens. Mm. Sort of like that. And see, and this and this speaks to a bigger point, like what we were talking about, how circumstances can talk back to you. Right. Mm -hmm. They can put pressure on you know what you what you are required or believe that you are required to do. And the question is, are you are we going to maintain our position? Are we going to allow the word to continue to dictate our decision making, even when the circumstances are putting pressure on us? Yeah, pressure. Right. To just think about Sarah and Abraham. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Perfect example. Yeah, it's good. Think of the, think about that situation. Sarah is like, you know, I'm you know I'm barren, like I'm, but you so you're so you'll see, you're supposed to bear this this lineage. But she's barren, right? I mean, she's old. So, so what was the human response? Human reasoning says, "All right, Abraham, everything I got going on is shut down. Ain't nothing going on down there. So you go on and lay with Hagar, my handmaid." All right? It's human reasoning. Why? Human reasoning trying to bring about the promise of God. Now, he had a word, mm -hmm. right? But the timetable won't line it up. Not for, you know, for Sarah, right? Human reasoning. Now, I'm, I'm going to go back here. But that's the word, exactly my point, like... What was the word? Oh, well, that's not what he meant. You know, but I'm a, hold on. Let's let, let listen. Let's listen to this. First okay. Samuel 13. I'm going to start at verse six. He says in the New Living Translation, says the men of Israel saw what a tight spot they were in. And because they were pressed by the enemy, they were tried. They tried to hide in caves, thickets, rocks, holes and cisterns. Some of them crossed the Jordan and escaped into the land of Gad and Gilead. Meanwhile, Saul stayed at, at Gilgal, and his men were trembling with fear. Now look at verse 8. Saul waited there seven days for Samuel, 
as Samuel had instructed him earlier. But Samuel still didn't come. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away. Now see, now, this speaks to another point. The, the delay of other people in our lives, the, the, end of the things that are going on with others in our lives, it can push us to make the decision, make decisions against God's declared will. Yeah. Right? Because mm -hmm. you see what's happening here. Samuel told him seven days. Saul see all this stuff going on. So he's under pressure because his eyes are on the people. He sees what's happening. Samuel, he won't punctual. But just because Samuel wasn't punctual, he in, in, on his timetable, does that give Saul the license to go against what God, God's, God's precepts, his, his principle, what he commanded? That, as the, that didn't give him that license, yeah. right? But again, he's under the gun because of what's happening with the people. They're scared and they're scattering and they have a whole bunch of pressure. Right. And then verse 9. So, he demanded, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. So my thing is, you know, and I know we all do it. If, if you looking for an excuse to disobey, nine times you can find one. <laughs> you can find one. I mean, all I'm not legitimate, but sometimes we can find some valid reasons of Okay, why well, I can disobey God because hey, A plus B, you know, if we'll see, this is what, okay, this is why I did it. And you can say, okay, hey, I mean, as an example, okay, hey, a man who loses his job and his family hungry, and he go, he go to the grocery store and steal some groceries. You know, from a human point, we can say, okay, yeah. I see why he did that. His family was hungry, he didn't have no money. He, you know, maybe he couldn't get it from somewhere. So he's like, okay, it's my last resort. I'm going to go take it. All I want to do is feed my family. But he's still wrong. You know, it's still, he's breaking the law. So, you know, but for my human, we can say, okay, I see why you did that. I see, because, you know, you, you ran out of resources, ran out of options here. He felt like he ran out of options. So that's what he did, what he did. But at the end of the day, it's still wrong. Right. Now, that goes to a deeper question then. All right. So the, the subtitle of the, of the lesson tonight is, Do You Qualify? Okay. Now, as we know, David messed up a lot in his story. Mm -hmm. He did a lot of things. <clears throat> but Saul had this act of disobedience here. And then we see the consequence of it. Now, what's the difference between Saul and David? 
I think it's it's found in Abraham's story. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. I think it's kind of the same thing with David. You know, I mean, it is. You know, he had a relationship with God. He trusted him. And Saul, I mean, sounds like he tried, but he, you know, he wasn't quite there. You know, was about faith. Hmm. Okay, my take on that is that David owned up. I think we talked a little bit about like, responsibility. He owned up to his mistakes. Yep, he ran to God. Yeah. Talking about he, he owned ran up to God, to but he made a mistake instead but, of running from God and making excuses. Right. So, like, could that be God? Though? though, is that like that was a fruit of trusting God? Though, like he, you know, he had that heart already with God. Like, you know, he wouldn't have did that if he was like. Well, you know, like he already like had a, a pride inside, but he had a humility to go. I messed up. It was like a fruit from trusting God. It's like having God yeah. through. Mm-hmm. But I spending think, all that time with God. You know? right, hold on, I think Paul got something. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, I was just gonna say, um, the sin that Saul committed was really essentially the same sin Adam committed, which was responsible for the fall of humanity. I mean, it was a. Uh, Doing wrong and trying to to hide or justify his wrongdoings, and um, where David did not justify, David owned up to his wrongdoings and repented. That's good. That's good. And going and that connects with what Mary was saying. You know, is the sin is, is identified. David repents and moves towards God versus Saul's situation where he's picking up the fig leaves, covering himself. Mm-hmm. Right? Because yeah. you, you know, because when when because Samuel is like, like he confronts him and he gives the explanation of why he did what he did. But but did not give a admission of guilt. No admission of guilt. He just gave an explanation. And therefore, the explanation is not just the explanation anymore. It's an excuse. I think like, too, what Andrew talks about, like one of the rhymes he does, you know, his little sayings. And it was, you know, righteousness is a fruit, not a root of, you know, um, you know, like it's not the root of our faith. Our our root is, you know, trusting Jesus, trusting God versus um well, trusting Jesus and the new covenant, of course. Mm-hmm. But back then they didn't know, but they knew there was a Messiah coming. But anyway, he trusted God and I believe all that time he had with God and you know, the relationship, it showed even though he made mistakes, of course, you know, it's like, well that's not righteous, but when he made an unrighteous act his heart was grieved because he didn't really want to do that. He he loved God, and you know, where Saul was just like, "Well, I, well, I, um, but you know, instead of I messed up. I'm sorry, God, that's that displeased you. I'm sorry, you know." Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, come on, buddy, you know, we got mm-hmm. it. You know? And when we talk about qualifications, right? Saul, on the out, you know, as far as his outward appearance was concerned, he fit the bill. Yeah. He fit the bill. But what does the scripture say? He looks mm. on God looks on the inward. Man looks on the outer. But God looks at the heart. That's right. That's right. 
going back to my outline, it says the fact that God's that David wasn't was God's second choice. This speaks volumes to to him, to Andrew, and it speaks volumes to me as well. Because even though the Lord had used him in a mighty way, he didn't feel like he was God's first choice. That is, you know, this is Andrew speaking here, right? So think about how throughout the scripture and throughout the life, your own life and the life of, of people you know, how often is it that the people that kind of, they, they don't have the outward resume can be some of the most godly loving people, fruit bearing people that you know. Now, not to say that it's wrong to have, you know, natural talents and natural abilities. That's not a sin. But the difficulty is what? If you have a natural ability, natural talent, there's going to be a strong temptation to lean on that. Versus somebody, you know, say, hey, I just barely passed my SATs. I just barely got out of high school. Right, somebody that just they don't have all this, all these accolades. They know that if something's gonna happen, God got to do it. Right. So that place of humility is what sets sets you up to see God move, for His grace to be made manifest. Another statement from the outline says. This is Andrew speaking again. He says, I never felt like I was the best qualified or the most suited person to do what I'm doing. But one of the things I've learned from the life of David is that God doesn't necessarily choose the silver vessel. He chooses the surrendered one. The Lord is more interested in our availability than our ability. Now, look at that statement. Yeah, go. Yeah. He's more interested in our availability than our ability. We had a a lady who went to our former church. She's still a very good friend of ours. Anyway, she teaches drama and it's got, you know, like, I mean, sings very well, everything. She's really good. She did teaching in like middle schools and drama classes and stuff, all kinds. She's very, got all this, you know, credentials and stuff, but she's very sweet, very humble person. And anyway, she would lead the Christmas program for our church every year. Mm-hmm. And her big thing was in one year, we had a few people who would have been the ones to fit the part better and the talents. And they didn't even want to be a part of it or they weren't showing up. And then there was a few of us who maybe weren't as talented or as much. And she goes, oh, no. She goes, I, I don't. I, we're like, do you mind? No, no. She's like, I don't mind. She goes, I'm glad you're all here. She goes, talent can be taught. And she goes, it is your faithfulness. She goes, that is what was important. And it, it made sense. It's like you can sing like an angel, but if you didn't come to practice, you know, it, it would be anything. Yeah, don't you sing like an angel. But she goes, I can teach that. She was really good at that. So she goes, I'll bring it up. Somebody in our church, we had said it, sweetest hearted lady. She could not sing. She didn't carry a tune in a bucket. But however, she goes, oh, she has this kind of good tone or whatever she was saying. She goes, I can teach her. And I'm like, wow, what a great, you know, way to think of it. But that's how she felt, you know, faithfulness. See, but one, the word he used, and God dealt with this word years ago, like surrender. Yeah. When we think of the word surrender, we don't like that word because no. it 
from a cultural standpoint or society, it means weakness. Yeah. It means, you know what, you, so you, so you, you, it means you don't have what it takes. Because when somebody surrenders, it means I give up, mm-hmm. you know. And so we don't like that word, even though in when it comes to Christ, he wants us to surrender. It means that it's a place of strength. Surrender means I give up my right to. Now, all of us, we don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Because the, when I understand I have a right to something, what you mean? And, and it's taken away from me. It's like, okay, wait a minute. Hold on. And then guess what we do? We fight to try to keep it. Christ says surrender is a place of strength. Because what he says, hey, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Mm-hmm. He said, okay, the moment you give your right to do what you want to do, and His take on mine. Now you now we all walk walk in the supernatural, not in the natural. Like he talked about not in my own ability. But now we're in his ability. But we don't like the word surrender because all of us we we fight to try to maintain status or power or attention, whatever it is, the thing that we are holding on to. And God has said, okay, give that up. And I got something better for you. There you go. I was gonna say it's like he's got the best. Yeah, he's got trust the best. him. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, years ago, I was like, okay, you're trying to hold on to something. I'm telling you to surrender. And then, you know, I, I remember growing up, I used to love the song, I Surrender All. That for some reason, the little boy, that song stuck in my head. And I used to, I learned all the verses to that song. And, you know, you listen to the verses and it's talking about, hey, Come on, freely giving up stuff. And he freely gave you something. I found that too, though. It's where I was, this is me too, it's being so afraid of something to surrender to him or like trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's a, a good one from Psalms. Mm-hmm. Lean not on your own understanding, right. you know, acknowledge him and mm-hmm. direct your path or make straight. And that till recently, had it still would scare me. I go, what do you mean by that? I'm almost afraid I, I want to do what he wants. Then I realized so many things that I already want to do, he wants me to do. He's just mm-hmm. trying to make it straight. And he's going to give me the best along the way when I trust him. Even just taking a road, when you ride down the road, that's trusting you go like, do I go that way or do you want to go that way? That's surrendering to him going like, I will go the way you say. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, it's this big stuff. I want you to be this, thus said, you know, instead of just simple every day. And then all these desires or things he wants you to do just fall into place a little more easier as you trust in him. Mm-hmm. It's the trust. That's good. So my thing was simplicity okay. of trust instead of uh, the, the surrender is good. That was scary. Yeah. I'm like, I surrender. What does that mean? Right. Like, it, go to, um, and that's the thing. And see, and that goes back to what we talked about last time understanding the character of God. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, because if I don't, if I if I don't have if I have a skewed picture of the character of God, surrender sounds tremendously scary. Yes, I'm missing out. What you talking about? I don't want to go to the Congo and and, and walk around in in leaves and and like oh, burn up trying to serve the Lord, right? <laughs> but again, if the picture that has been painted for you for who God is. And he has to break you to make you. Those types of statements. Oh, yeah. If that's the type, if that's the type of God that that you envision, 
Then that word surrender sounds petrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah like those men you were talking about, the men that was this guy was wrong. That's how that's how I felt almost like. But see, if you understand the the, the nature of God in in the purity. The perfection, the completion of his love for you. And, and knowing that regardless of what happens, his eye is on you. And he, he has came to give you what? Life and life more abundantly. If that's the picture of, of God that you have, then that word surrender is not going to be as scary. It's still, you, your flesh still going to get nervous. Right. But you, but you have a level of heart peace with that yeah, to overcome, to overcome the, the 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 natural resistance. But if you got that that old school like complete sovereignty doctrine picture of who God is, then it's it's gonna be very it, you gonna struggle releasing and being surrendered to Him and being able to be honest when you mess up. Yeah, we we we've been trained to win. Win is the thing, isn't it? I mean, you've been taught. Well, you've got to win. Okay. Because everybody loves a winner, right? Yeah. I mean, nobody likes a loser. You know, so when you've been trained to win and, and you know, win everything and be the yeah. victor, you know, then you're like, okay, I got to win this argument. I got to win this particular thing. I got to fight for this. It's like, when Jesus said, I've already paid for it. It's already won. So... You know, but once again, we have a mindset to win. Yeah, Paul got something. Uh, yeah, um, just a quick question uh, to get your opinion. What exactly would you call a surrendered life? Like, what is how? What is the picture you would paint of a life that is surrendered? Hmm. Well, the easiest answer to that is Jesus and him and his ministry. I do nothing except what the Father tells me. Now, obviously, you know, you're looking at him and then it's like, okay, but that's Jesus. But how does it apply to us? And this is where we, you know, in our day-to-day -day walk with him, this is where we we grow. Yeah. And like I said, for me, you know, I just give an example, you know, when it, and I know this is a big thing, you know, forgiveness. Okay. There are certain people, you know, you just, okay. How can you forgive that? How can you forgive him? Yeah. How can you forgive her for that? Mm -hmm. And so, and the Bible tells us forgive, and you have to forgive somebody who hurt you, you know, wanted your fault. I mean, that did nothing. And so, but the Bible says forgive. And so, that's one picture of, okay, so the Bible says I got to forgive this person. I got to forgive them what they did, you know. Now, mind you, and like he said, if you train that forgiveness, is, I'm letting you off the hook. And I'm not going to do that. But the Bible says, forgive everybody who hurt you. He says, what? Love those, love your enemies, love those, forgive the persecute you, all that stuff. You have to really, you know, surrender to God to do that. And it takes, it takes the Holy Spirit to do that through you. You can't do that on your own ability. You know? And so you have to surrender and allow the Holy Spirit to give you the strength to do that because you can't do that on your own ability. I was thinking about you, like where you're saying there, like true love, you know, when Julius was saying to you about um, Jesus, you know, the, the picture of a, a, 
uh, surrendered life to God. And we think about the forgiveness thing too, like you said. And I thought about Jesus loved, and He had true love. Like right. I mean, His wasn't like any of the extremes we have in the church setting of like the greasy grace or like the hellfire burn. So He was just so balanced. He loved. He told the truth, but He told it in love. He did what was the best for everybody, you know. And I go the real, true best. And, I just got to think about that, or, you know, saying that, you know, that. Yeah. His love was unconditional. Exactly. You go into John, you know, I talk about John, you know, not that all the gospels aren't good, but John, they say it's the gospel of love because so many of his miracles in there, I've always noticed they weren't even physical miracles sometimes. It was a lot of heart stuff, like the woman mm-hmm. at the well and like, mm-hmm. um, you know, the woman caught in adultery. I mean, he went to their heart and he healed them. And I go, Anyway, just an assignment, sorry. We could say, you know, okay, yeah, I love you, but I love you until, or I love you until you do this. And that then it's no longer unconditional, it's conditional. So, like you said, he, he showed us how to love you. You got to surrender to that type of love. Right. And when he had to show you how to walk in it. And see, and this is where we definitely we need the, the Holy Spirit. To strengthen and guide us, because you know the, the the question that Paul asks is like is is it's extremely relevant, because that's really that's what we are called to do. Right. But I'm looking at I'm just I'm looking at what Jesus taught, and us as believers trying to walk that out, and how countercultural it is. Mm-hmm. Now, just to give an example, all right, so. Remember, so Paul asked a question about surrendered life. Mm-hmm. Let's go to Matthew 5 in the Beatitudes. We're going to look at this. And I'm going to start at verse 38. All right. And let me see. I'll, I'll read this in the New Living Translation. It makes it real. No, I want to read in the old school King James. All right. He says, Ye have heard. Okay. I found this on the web for he says. Check it out. <laughs> Thank you, Siri. Sister <laughs> Siri, who was that? <laughs> okay. All right. Where's 38? He says, Ye have heard that it have been said, an eye for an eye, and a two for a two. But I say unto you, that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. Now, what in the world is that? That's what I'm saying. Because I've heard of people in that first part you read, they say, I ain't doing that. <laughs> right? I heard people literally say, I am not turning the cheek. Uh, I'm going to do something else. I don't want right. to put it in. Medea says, she only has two. Oh my God, I, I wish I could even quote her. She cracks me up. She's, I can't remember what she yeah. said. Once she's only got two cheeks, so that's it. Boom, she's going to Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so after the two cheeks are slapped, she's going to start slapping me. Right. Yeah. Oh my God, I don't yeah. know what she said, but it's hilarious. But think about it though. I that's mean, because this, but this is Jesus in the red here. 
as a believer, this is my this is the standard I'm I'm called to live up to. And this is this is just the, the diametrically opposed to what I've been taught. Right. Naturally. How many of your mothers have said, if somebody hits you, you better hit them back. Well, That's I'm gonna right. hit you. That's I'm right. gonna beat you myself. Yeah. Right? And and in this other part, if somebody sue you and take your coat, you give them the cloak also. What? Come on. This stuff, you can't do this in the natural. No, I can't. This, this is the Holy Spirit. You surrendering yourself to the leading of the Holy Spirit because everything in you wants to buck this. Now look at 41. Defending yourself. Go ahead. Like, I want to defend myself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Right. Right. Like if somebody doesn't like me or somebody doesn't understand my motives or they misunderstand me it's a natural thing but for me I I think that's one of the areas that I really need to grow on because I'm really quick to defend myself to explain myself I want people to understand even when I'm at work you know if somebody misunderstands me or says something that's negative about me you know I'm like I mean, I've had stuff like this even happen in the last week, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I had to apologize, you know, because I, you know, like I had to, I said something to a patient that said something that was really rude to me and um, it wasn't right. And I was trying to help the patient and, and they didn't like what I was telling them. And it was just like came back and I was just like, um, and they were saying something to another person, and I, I was like, that's not true. I was trying to, <laughs> you know, and then she's like, I think you're on, I think you're on something or high on something. I'm like, where is this coming from? Like, you know, and I really took it to the Lord, and I was like, what is going on? Like, what did I do to get under her feathers? And so, I, you know, I, I really had to pray about, like, was there something that I did? Is there Was there a way in my response to her that I could have done differently? But, yeah. Mm. Well, the devil, the devil could have used her just to attack you. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, just to just to torment you, <laughs> the devil could have just used her to torment you. But I actually grew from that experience, so I'm thankful for it. All right. mm-hmm. That's good, and that's the thing when we when stuff like that happens, you know, God didn't necessarily ordain it, right? But if you were, if you leave, we lean on him. He'll turn limits and limits and eliminate. But the de- but it's she didn't. She had twisted it. You know who's the twister? The devil twists to put things in people's to cause strife of all kinds. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. who who's the one that causes all the twisting? Because it's definitely a collaboration, that's for sure. Because mm-hmm. if there's some, if there's something going on in my flesh or my natural mind, you know, <laughs> it, the, the, a spirit is going to take advantage of that opportunity oh, yeah. to Just interject wait. some strife. 
Yeah. Right. You go jump on board. Yeah. So when you learn how to not take the bait and just trust in the Lord, then I could see why she learned from it because then he can't control you. The devil can't control you. But that's hard because it's very painful because they're calling you a liar. And mm -hmm. that, I mean, yeah, and that's a, that is a hard. That's, she's calling her a liar. That's and a, you, said it, you know, it's a hard thing to. That's not fun. Allow to roll off your back. Exactly. When people are, you know, challenging your character, slandering yeah, exactly. your name. But didn't Jesus go through that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Every day, worse than we ever have ever was. <laughs> Every day, sure, he was God, and right. he got he was called faultless, sinless, right. right. everything. Still yeah, because just imagine that now. You know, your own creation spitting your face. Yeah. Now, how many of us would, how, if we would, if we, that was us, and we had the type of power and authority Jesus had, somebody spitting your face, they might have just disintegrated right there in their clothes, had it been one of us. All right, now, now I'm not finished with these PAB attitudes either. That's just the beginning. But look at this. It says, 41, it says, And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twine. Give to him that asked thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Yea, ye have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. See, Jesus did all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is the pinnacle Walking in this is the pinnacle of this surrendered life right here. He's give, he's laying it out for us. But there ain't no way we can produce this in our flesh. Our natural strength cannot do this. Too much road rage. Too mm -hmm. much um, shopping right. cart rage. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shopping cart rage. Yeah, yeah shopping cart rage. I think all of this she is about... She cut me off in there. <laughs> I think all of this is about... Um, being like who's in control it's proving who's in control oh i hate i hate you oh i'll get back at you well then they just control you if this is all about who about you being in control of your own life and not letting other people control you you know mm. that's what i think and jesus didn't let anybody control him but god so it's like, bless those who curse you. It's like you're proving to them, you don't control me. You know what I mean? Mm. You're cursing me. I'm going to bless you. Yeah. Because that's, that's the exact opposite of what you're supposed to get. Yeah. Right? Mm. You, cur you cuss me, I'm going to cuss you back. And worse. Such and such. And I'll up you one. Mm -hmm. you waiting at me that's the natural response. That's what we, that's what we, that's what we would expect. Right? Right. But when, like you said, when you do this, then you are disarming the individual's ability to, to manipulate our outcome. Mm 
mm-hmm. to manipulate your behavior. Yeah. But again, it, I'm telling you, that, but this is this is what Holy Spirit surrender looks exactly. like. Exactly. Well, there you go. Because this flesh cannot handle that. That's so. <laughs> and it really, the answer is the Word of God. Knowing the Word of God and then doing it. So that's what a surrendered life is. What does the Word of God say? Mm-hmm. Am I going to do it? But the thing I even go a little further is, you know, because you can read all this and say, okay, I want to do it. But I think what we're saying is if you don't get to know the person behind who's saying this. Yeah, of course. You, yeah. you can't walk in this. Not, I think we, no. you know, you can, this become legalistic and say, it, do yeah. this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And do this yeah. and love your enemy. And then you say, okay. And then I think Judas said earlier how it could become. You can teach people, okay, but if you don't do it, you're punished or you're not going to get blessed. And you can put all those stipulations oh, yeah, on it, sure. you know, and now it's like, okay, well, you know what? If I don't do this, God is going to get me or God is not going to like me mind. and God is not. But the thing is, when you, as I think he's used the word character, you get to know the character of your father. You get to know Jesus. It's like, okay, now I can surrender this because, you know, what? I'm not afraid of being, you know. Uh, and then the Bible talking about how you can get to a place where you're not offended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I ain't got there yet. I'm working on it. Mm-hmm. I'm better. But where yeah. people can do this and then like, hey, because think about as he said with Jesus, he's being spit on, he's been slapped, and he ain't saying nothing. Yeah. And you know, that's like he's like, what? Hmm. And if that is surrender life right there, you know, so. But the thing is, we've got to get to know as we we use where he had a favorite relationship with him, and get in relationship with him. Okay, now I can do this without really struggling to do it because, man, I just know him. I know he's got my back. I know he's, and this is gonna, I'm gonna come out on top, whatever happens. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. I want to go back to the outline, but I I got one more place I want us to go. Okay, because again, we're talking about. Just living a surrendered life and triggers in the flesh and falling for the bait of Satan, the bait of the enemy. Let's go to John 14 and 30. John chapter 14, and we look at verse 30. Now I'm gonna read it in the I'm gonna read it in the King James and then I'm gonna read it in the Amplified. Okay. Now again, think about Jesus' life being the perfect example of the surrendered life. Okay. Verse 30 says, Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh, and he hath nothing in me. And he hath nothing in me. All right, in Amplified, it says, I will not talk with you much more, for the prince, evil genius, ruler of this world is coming, and he has no claim on me. He has nothing in common with me. There is nothing in me that belongs to him, and he has no power over me. What, where are you reading again? John 14 and 30. Oh, 30. Now, I'm going to read it one more time. The Amplified. Again, this is Jesus talking to the disciples. 
I will not talk with you much more, for the prince, evil genius, ruler of this world is coming. And he has no claim on me. He has nothing in common with me. There is nothing in me that belongs to him. And he has no power over me. So there was no ambition, no self-interest, no pride. There was nothing that the enemy can pull on in Jesus. It was absolute surrender. There's nothing in him. No claim. So as we walk out our sanctification, this is our goal to be in this place. Now, we are already his righteousness in the spirit, man. And our spirit has made, been made perfect. So what's, what, what are we doing now? The sanctification of our soul, our mind, our will, and emotions. Being washed of self-interest, ambition, pride, all these things. And the less of that that's in us, the less pulls, the less things that the enemy can use to pull on us. You know, that works with the anger management that we listened to over Andrew. He said, all of this we heard, he was talking about, he is, we all have a right to stand up for ourselves. He just said, again, the enemy can't come in and just run over top of us. We have rights, but it's in the right way. Right. Yeah. And that's a surrender thing, too. He goes, mm -hmm. if you come up right. to me and try to take my 20 out, those that was Andrew trying, he goes, I'm not going to let you take my 20. He goes, I'm going to fight you for it. He goes, I have mm -hmm. a right. He's going to do it the right way. Same thing about his, his family is we do have a right to stand up for ourselves. God right. gave us that right. We don't, we're not some, you know, oh, you know, surrender doesn't mean, like you said, we're not. Yeah, and that's what people think. Surrender yeah, means that you're weak and you stand that. up and then you're a doormat and that doesn't mean that. Yeah. And it's not going yeah. against what Jesus said either. It's just you're standing up in the right manner. Right. When he says stand up, stand up, he says, then you know there's a reason why to be quiet because he's got right. something he'll take care of in a different way. But he's like, I thought it was neat because he goes, anger, see, you want to get into anger with mm -hmm. people are, you know, giving up all your, you know, I have a right, I'm, they were wrong, they were wrong, they were wrong, instead of who's wrong though. If your anger's not quite right, you want to wave your hands at them, you know. Mm -hmm. That's not good. Right. But here's the thing about it. The same Jesus that didn't say among the word when they persecuted is the same Jesus that turned over tables. Exactly. Yeah. That's true. That's what he said. Yeah. He, he did it in the right way. He did it in the right way. Yeah. He had, it was funny. He said, you, you, it's not, it's not, you would think he was angry. It's like, it wasn't, this it's was righteous anger. We were, yeah, right. Me and talk about a lot lately is man's, man's anger don't produce anything good, mm. but God's anger produces We've got to keep it differentiated between. And um, this is interesting. Uh, what time is that? Six o'clock in the morning. I don't know. Um, I was ended up watching Joseph Prince this week or whatever. And he said um, in Mark, uh, when they were supposed to go over the other side and the disciples woke him up, he said there was only one recording where it said Jesus was angry at them. So that was interesting. Jesus did get angry. Remember when he when they woke mm -hmm. him up? Um, so that was interesting. Yeah. He was angry at them. But he said not. Because he said, <laughs> you, never you know, so. yeah. why are you so fearful? 
How yeah. come you have no faith? I um, you know, I thought too here, if I may say, like we were talking about really leaning on the Holy Spirit to help us discern, and like you said, not get into a leak out, you know, legalistic, but doing it for what it is, and then anger management. I got to think about an example. I go with um, some of y'all know the story here, but with my my father's girlfriend of twenty five plus whatever years now, and I go. I had gave and gave and gave, like it says here, you know, you know, going another mile or doing this effort game mm-hmm. over and over multiple multiple times as a child and a couple of very big times as an adult. And I finally had to very prayerfully and very sensitively to God and through some good counsel kind of put a boundary line down, not to hate, but to protect myself because, you know, and I go, the thing is though, I go, and I'm not saying, you know, no halos on me. I had to really pray and that a lot in the past couple of years. But I go, I've gotten to a place. Now God is helping me work through it. And I have my days, I have my moments, and mom knows this. Is, I go, you know, I have my boundary line down. I go, God, I really need to pray for it. I'm like, God, I just give her to you. But I go, now I've been able to think of her this way is, yes, she is a very evil person with evil intent. And I mean, I'm just saying this is a factual thing <laughs> through many years of knowing this. But still, I go, God loves her. I was saying about it recently. I go, God loves her so much. And I was thinking about it. I said, God, how are you going to deal with this? I hope she chooses you, but if she doesn't. And I go, God's going to be so grieved. And I just felt really bad for her that moment. Not bad like, oh, I want to go and I have to be, like we said, a doormat. But it's just the general sense of, I go, mm-hmm. God is going to be like, why didn't you choose me? I'll say her name mm-hmm. is Anne. I'll use a, um, an alias. Why didn't you choose me, Anne? I, I love you so much. I had so many good things. And I go, that's how God views her. But at the same time, I knew in the same sense he doesn't want me to be abused, you know? So just as an example of something in my life I've been kind of working. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you have, you have to love people from a distance. Yeah, truly, yeah. You know, exactly. you gotta, you know, my dad used to use, it, use the metaphor, you, you feed him with a long hand spoon. Like, okay. <laughs> you know, because yeah, you, got, you, know, you said you don't want to, you don't want to exactly. yourself to abuse, no, you just have to love him from a distance yeah. and say, okay, we can't be close because mm-hmm. I know yeah. that relationship is not there, so but I have to think, pray for you, yeah. and you know, be right. respectful to you, and uh, right, and and see, and that's in that when we talk about you know, Holy Spirit fortified boundaries, Holy Spirit fortified boundaries, yeah, because you can you could like like we just read the Beatitudes, you can go and 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 put yourself in, in harm's way, yeah, and stay in harm's way. Trying to fulfill the word as you're interpreting it, yeah, mm-hmm. in in your natural understanding, but not having the Holy Spirit to to help you to apply that in your situation specifically, right? Yeah, that's true. That is very very true. Yeah, because they could not touch Jesus until it was time. Mm-hmm. Remember, that's they wanted strange. to kill him and throw him off a cliff. Mm-hmm. He yeah. became invisible. <laughs> yeah. You know, like. He Where was, go? He was invisible, <laughs> was and he made story. it very clear. Right. You did not take. He my was life. just there. Where's he at? Mm-hmm. I gave my. Life. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's, he's our that's example. Serious. So there you go. Now I'm I'm looking at the outline again. <laughs> Andrew says this. He says, "If I were God, I wouldn't have chosen me." But then I read his. Then I read his list of qualifications over in First Corinthians. All right, so let's go there real quick. First Corinthians, First Corinthians, we read verses twenty six through twenty nine. First Corinthians, 
1, chapter 1, 26 to 29. Um, I'm going to read that in New Living Translation as well. All right, and this is Paul. This is his first letter to the church, Corinth. He says, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring nothing, bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. See, I know that, and I, from a previous point of view, I know when you when you look at people and that are more educated you are, more articulate than you are, more charismatic than you are, you know, you tend to say, well, man, and you look at yourself, and I've experienced it, man, how does, how do I stack up against him hurt because this, they seem so eloquent in this speech, so powerful, everybody's applauding them, they draw crowds, and you saying, man, little old me, yeah. You know, what am I going to do? I mean, compared to that, mm. you know, what qualifies me to, you know, and we have this compete with them or, you know, we tell yourself, I'm not, I can't be effective as they are. I'm not as gifted. I'm not as good a speaker as they are. And so you tend to beat yourself up and say, well, you know what, hey, and then you shrink back. And then if you're not careful, then you won't step out and do what God called you to do. Mm-hmm. Because you're saying, well, everybody else can do it so much better than I can. Hey, why do God need me? Yeah. You know? And so, you know, and you have to, and, and the enemy want to beat you in that mindset. Because, well, guess what? Yeah, if he can stop you from fulfilling what God called you to do, then, oh, yeah. I couldn't stop you from getting saved, but I can stop you from feeling the calling God on your life. And beat my brains out. Right. And so, therefore, you know what? I can make you feel inferior to everybody. Mm-hmm. Disqualify yourself because you don't have this, you don't have that, you don't have this. And, and then other people will help say, you know, with a job, say, well, you, you ain't got this, and you ain't got that, and you ain't got this, and you ain't got this degree. So, you, you're not qualified. And so, you, but you have to. That's why you gotta have a well yourself and said, okay, you gotta get to a place and I got if you called me, then I'm gonna use whatever you gave me. Be who I'm not gonna try, because then that temptation will try to be like somebody else. Mm-hmm. And then you gotta cheat temptation of somebody who God has given that. And then you're trying to copy that, and that's not what God that's not who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trying to wear Saul's armor. There you go. Good enough. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. It don't that's fit very well. It didn't fit either, did it? Yeah. yeah. And, and, that, and that thing is bad with preachers, I'm telling you. Yeah. It's it bad. Is. It's it bad. Is. It's like, man, y'all, in, in some of them circles you hear preachers, the way preachers talk, it's like, oh, my gosh, y'all sound like 
you know, like like we we, we ball players trying to you know mm-hmm. see who got the who's gonna be the lead scorer in the exactly. season, middle, you know, in the season or something. Yes. But we on the same team. That's the thing. Yeah. Whether whether you are called to crowds of hundreds of thousands or you are a small group leader or you know a small local church hunting people. God is not or one person, my favorite thing ever was when I was in Wales, and maybe I told the story. And to just I think about that so often, 20 years ago, maybe now. Got on this train, think I was in the wrong car. One lady from London. The minute I get on this car with three people, mm-hmm. God says, tell her I love her. I said, I can't do that. She's going to think I'm crazy. And then we're going to look at each other the whole rest of the way. Anyway. Yeah. I don't know how much time went by. I think it was 5 o'clock in the morning. I about died from jet lag, if you could. Anyway, my not-yet ex-husband got off to go to the bathroom. I saw her starting to put makeup on. I'm thinking, oh, she must be getting ready to leave, right? I'm thinking, so I said, God told me to tell you he loves you. Oh, you know, her eyes, her eyes got all big. Two seconds later, husband comes back in the car. God told me to tell you he loves you. She could not wait to get off that train car. But I I would rather have that moment for the rest of my life than, you know, preach to 10 million people. Of course, I'd like to get 10 million people saved. But for me, that's, I don't know if anything in my life will ever mean that to me. Someone in another country in England heard from God because of me and you and you and whoever. One person, that's the real God. He leaves the 99 to go get the one. One word from God. I didn't add anything to it. Nope. God told me to tell you he loves you. Because she couldn't even handle that. Now see. Let alone something else, you know. And God told you you're going to do this. She couldn't even handle that much. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, every individual is a chosen vessel. Yeah. Every member of the body is a chosen vessel. Question is, are we going to respond? Are we going to surrender to his view of us versus our own view of ourselves or society's view mm-hmm. of us? Yeah. The world. No one can steal that joy from me. Nothing. That's awesome. All right. One more place before we close out for the night. Let's go to First Samuel sixteen. Can we go back there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we yeah, we we full gospel. We do old and new testament around here. All right, so I'm looking at verse 1, starting there, 1 Samuel 16. I'm reading that from the New Living as well. All right, it says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there. 
for I've selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel asked, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. And just a side note, you see, now the prophet still got questions. <laughs> and this the, this the man who hear from God directly. He still got questions. So, you know, like I say, man, all of us are on the journey. And he says, take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? <laughs> yes, Samuel replied. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification writ for Jesse and his sons and invited them to sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one, looked at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. This is the prophet now. This is the prophet. He looked at Eliab. Eliab looked like that dude. Yeah. Right? All right. Look at verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I rejected him. The Lord does not see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son, and Abinadab, I know I butchered that, I'm sorry, to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the, cho the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Semi. But Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Uh, you see Jesse's like, yeah, I got the youngest, but he out, he out there in the field with the goats and the sheep. He's not cute. But he's just out there playing with them sheep. He out there, you know, doing manual stuff. Right? All right. All right, so Samuel says, send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. So David stood there among his brothers. Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with oil. The spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel, Samuel returned to Ramah. Now you see, David, he not he not one of the the choice candidates. At the bottom of the barrel. He out there in the field, the a, a the pretty line. boy, pretty boy out there with the goats and sheep. How is this man gonna be a king? But what does what did God say? Don't look on that. He's the one. Hey, look at this. He's the one. So, if you know, when we, when life tries to quote challenge our qualification as children of God, we got to remember 
who dictates our qualification is Jesus. He qualifies us, not we ourselves. All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. All right. Thank you, everybody. Bye, everyone. See you next week. Good morning, everyone. All right. Bye-bye.